Hello, my name is Don Matthew, and I am the National Sector Leader for KPMG in Canada's Manufacturing Group. Welcome to the first episode of our new Manufacturing Podcast Series, where I will sit down with thought leaders to discuss how big ideas and bold actions can propel the Canadian manufacturing industry into the next era. Today, we're taking a deep dive into supply chains. I am joined by Mimi View, Director, Supply Chain and Procurement Advisory with KPMG Canada, and Vincent Dixon, Partner, Supply Chain Solutions, KPMG Canada, as Subject Matter Specialists. Be sure to join us on our next installment later this spring. So jumping right into it, emerging out of the COVID-19 pandemic, let's discuss what is happening around supply chains affecting Canadian industries. Demand for manufacturers' goods is strong, but manufacturers are struggling to keep up, let alone take advantage of this boom. So Mimi, what are the major pressure points in Canada around supply chains? Thanks, Don. Thanks for having me. When we talk about supply chains in Canada, we need to remember that this may include part of a large global and complex supply chain with many nodes and players. Some pressure points include an over-reliance on a limited number of third parties. If we look back to the beginning of the pandemic, there are shortages that occurred on items such as cleaning supplies, PPE, and even gym equipment. Companies were scrambling to find and vet new sources of supply. So as demand stabilizes and supply chains recover, there's a continued need to build more redundancy in the supply chain and diversify the supply base. The rising cost of commodities, raw materials, goods and services, resulting in the need for companies to absorb the costs, innovate or even take cost-cutting measures, or ultimately pass on the cost increases to its customers. Another pressure point is production delays. Increased demand place pressure on supply chains, resulting in delays, backlogs, and the need to shift production to address immediate and critical needs, and a shift in consumer behaviors. Physical supply chain delays increasing costs are another topic. Canada is a vast country in terms of its geography, with a lot of its population not living in or near urban hubs. Canada is prone to delays due to harsh weather, natural disasters such as the BC floods, inaccurate or delayed flow of information, and lack of visibility. Also, there is high labor costs and shortage of skills and workers, which will ultimately impact the cost of goods and services. Canada's estimated inflation rate is now over 6%. It's the highest it's been since 1991 in August. And then lastly, but not at all the least, there's lack of visibility across the end-to-end -end supply chain. This is really critical. So how is this lack of end-to-end -end visibility changing supply chains? Uh, great question. I may have led you to that, Don. But, um, you know, visibility, integration, timely access to good information is really critical for a company to make decisions about its operations, respond with contingency plans, and even plan strategically. It helps a company be agile to the needs of its customers, which has proven to be really dynamic over the course of the last few years. The pandemic has exposed um, the lack of visibility and integration. The trend over the past couple decades has been globalization, meaning supply chains, again, are very complex, can include many nodes and players, and a breakdown in any part of the supply chain or node or bottleneck can really have like a rippling effect across the supply chain. And so we find that our clients don't have the supply chain map beyond the first tier suppliers, really making it difficult to identify the points of failure and appropriately respond and manage expectations of their customers. So Vincent, what are manufacturers in Canada currently doing to reshape their supply chains? What can manufacturers do in the short term to impact long-term success? 
Hi, Don. Thanks. Thanks for the question and great to be here. And uh, a really good lead in, Mimi, because that's exactly what I, <laughs> what I was going to say in terms of, uh, of overall. No, it's it's perfect. You know, it, it, that's that's the adaptation of business right now. They're they're investing in expertise and technology, and just kind of to pepper a couple statistics on here from uh, from a KPMG Outlook survey. We surveyed CEOs of small to medium enterprises. You know, we're getting numbers back like sixty seven percent are committed to increasing investment and in dis disruption detection and innovation. So what does that mean? It means that supply chain in terms of a risk to enterprise has gone way up. And that's another statistic we have. If we were to look back on surveys we did about four years ago, you know, supply chain would sit somewhere around ninth in terms of risk to enterprise. There's lots of things that could <laughs> go wrong in a company, obviously. But, you know, as, as we progress through these last couple of years, it's really put supply chain sort of disruption and the need to understand it front and center. And as much as it's been doom and gloom to some degree, uh, there's a silver lining in all of this, which is exactly what Mimi was alluding to. And it's, it's the accelerated adaptation and development of technologies within supply chain uh, to be able to help organizations kind of mitigate risk for the future. A major issue we've been observing in the manufacturing industry is the lack of physical space. Organizations can be considering increased use of technology when it comes to their supply chains to increase productivity per square foot and alleviate some of the pressures on space. So let's dive into some other quick wins for manufacturers. Vincent, what is a feasible first step enterprise-level manufacturers can take to future-proof their supply chain? So first stage is you have to understand what's happening in your supply chain. You have to you have to be able to evaluate where the risks are. And you know we have a lot of clients that that perform analysis with with our support, and, and we uncover things that they were had no idea that were a risk. And we're able to you know obviously the goal is to alleviate them before they actually become a risk. Uh, that's that's the goal. And then and then moving into you know network modeling. You talked about inventory and where and warehouse space. Some organizations, it was a short-term fix, bring in more inventory. Uh, others don't have that choice. Uh, they're going to keep it for a while. So there's going to be some hit to working capital, but they're, they're willing to, uh, to make that trade off to maintain uptime. I think contract evaluations, it sounds, again, simple, but understanding what your agreements are with your suppliers, for one, the ones that exist today, but more importantly, kind of looking at your strategy. Are, do you have the right clauses? Are you looking for the right things? And one simple one that, that we see a lot is, you know, where, where applicable reward and penalty clauses for delivery. So you can imagine a supplier, you know, through all of this, we talk about the customers and we talk about the OEMs and people being down, but think of the, think of the complexity coming to those suppliers. So it's not just one client or customer they have. And in many cases, they're, they have dueling priorities. So with a limited amount of, of products, so where are they going to go with it? You know, it, you want to build in contracts that reward your suppliers for acknowledging your organization and that also hold them accountable to some degree if they're significantly late. So Mimi, 28% of manufacturers said they are likely or very likely to relocate or scale up production in Canada to mitigate supply chain bottlenecks. What does this look like? What are the biggest hurdles? Yeah, so that's a really good question. For me, it comes down to the business case and the ROI for relocating or scaling up production in, in Canada. And you need to really balance that with risk, depending on what you're looking to bring to Canada. So the real question is, does it make sense for a manufacturer to relocate or scale up production where there are other potential markets that may be more profitable? We look to our neighbors to the south, parts of Europe and in Asia. 
I'll share with you a stat that a colleague shared the other day with me from Stats Canada regarding multinational companies in Canada. So less than 1% of enterprises are multinational, but hold over 65% of assets in the Canadian economy. Meaning in the grand scheme of things, the Canadian factor may have really limited influence in a multinational company's decision to bring manufacturing to Canada. On the flip side, the supply chain challenge is well known to the Canadian government. In the recent federal budget that was just announced, the government has set aside funds to invest in improving supply chain resiliency and efficiency, including investments in all rail transportation. So Vincent, when we talk about emerging technology for supply chains, what technology is out there that will ease pressure on these supply chains? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's a really unique time. As, as much as there's been doom and gloom over the past two years, uh, it really has been an intersection of technology and demand. So we're seeing an elevation of that tech. Uh, we're seeing it grow, grow to the point where they've really kind of put it under an umbrella statement of saying it's the next industrial revolution, which would be the, you know, the digitization of information and the ability to share information very quickly. And, you know, they tag it with the Industry 4.0 uh, moniker, if anyone's ever heard of that. But within that, lots of technology exists. Uh, you know, there's, there's AI machine learning, uh, digital supply chain, additive manufacturing, I could go on. But it really, it's uh, it's key about all those fundamental disciplines are really there to improve that communication essentially within the supply chain and mitigate risk. And when you have information as an organization, that's power, right? You can really you can really control things. You can really see uh, adverse effects in your supply chain uh, before they come. And these these types of tools are really advantageous. And also looking at things like uh, censoring technologies, uh, track and trace, you know, the ability outside of information to really have information on your packages as they're shipping around the world and be able to follow them through not only your organization, but from all the way to your customers and all the way to the source material. So it's quite a quite an exciting time. And, and the final one I'll touch on is just digital twin. The reward for that in a digital twin is that it doesn't impact your existing operations. So, you know, not too, not too distant past, uh, we're do, if you're doing an, a, major, a major assessment of your ERP or of your database, you have to shut things down. You have to do that, uh, that analytical work at risk to the organization because it's not running. So digital twins in multiple applications, it goes beyond just supply chains, of course, but anywhere where you want to get a large data set, anywhere where you want to do a deep dive uh, on a product and simulations, it's a great tool for that. So where can AI be implemented for the greatest gains in supply chain efficiencies? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Don, and that's it's a good lead in really when we talk about the complexity once again of multiple tiers of supply chain, you can imagine the transactions and you can imagine the amount of detail that has to be kind of maintained. So in a in the world of the future, you know, where you can imagine knowing the source material of that product, knowing what all your suppliers have for inventory, knowing when their shipments are coming in, knowing when there's a disruption, you know, with with Coke out of China or whatever the product is, that you you kind of have some some heads up notice. So using AI for throughput master planning and scheduling is really a great tool to have because you, the time it would take for individuals to compute this data and to evaluate it is, is just not feasible. It's too complex. So we're seeing AI implemented, implemented in a lot of those cases within, you know, configurable tolerances that are set, but it can also learn and it can adapt. 
And in what applications can blockchain be used? What are the barriers of entry? Yeah, blockchain, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's still kind of wearing that cryptocurrency uh, uh, kind of a moniker a little bit to it. But, uh, but blockchain really works well in, in transactional uh, kind of environments, you know, obviously for blockchain. But if you start to look at a transportation network, a very large, complex one, perhaps, and envision hundreds of trucks coming from different places and different conveyances, and some are LTL, some are full truck loads, and, and it goes on and on. But using blockchain to set up each of those individual movements, each time a truck goes to a new location or each time, you know, that a bill is paid or, or that there's a, it's crossed a border, that's a block. And you start to build up this network that when it comes time to, to pay these bills, uh, everything is lined up and everybody in the entire supply chain in terms of the logistical network knows exactly where everything is and can go into the blockchain for that product and can verify it. So, the the level of complexity is already done by the time it gets to pay the bills and it wasn't too long ago there'd be a, a stack of <laughs> six inches of paper every time you had to pay a bill uh, in terms of large international or even domestic supply chains uh, it's a lot of complexity uh, and blockchain is still evolving in that space to some degree it will be there without a doubt, but there is a barrier to entry in terms of cost as well, especially when you get into the, the large networks and uh, and the IP involved in, uh, uh, in all of the, the infrastructure. So it's not quite there in, in, in industry, it's getting there, it will be there in the very near future, but it's, it's still an evolving and, and wonderful tool, but still evolving in industry. So as we look to the future of supply chains, what effect will an evolving economy have on manufacturing? Yeah, I would start with the uh, the intensified focus. You know, things are changing. Uh, there's an awareness now of the impact of supply chain, and, and people aren't forgetting what happened. I mean, we've we've lived a lot of tough lessons. Uh, you know, as 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 business people, and and uh, there's been a lot of shutdowns and a lot of costs, and so there's an intense focus right now on supply chain, uh, capital spending. We talked about a little earlier, and then the discipline of supply chain in and of itself. The education, you know, making sure that you have the right people. Uh, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't bring a, a I don't know a microwave repair person to fix your fridge, right? Necessarily, probably a bad analogy, but you get where I'm going. It's it's really getting recognized as as a discipline in and of itself, and the supply chain people that have that broad experience on on logistics, cross border traffic, uh, even the flow of in-house product, uh, it just goes on and on. And that awareness has really been elevated and supply chain people are in demand for organizations now because they recognize the value they can bring and it's elevating the discipline of supply chain. So one final question for both of you then is, what does the future of manufacturing supply chains look like? Vince, you want me to go first? Yeah, sure, Mimi. Um, I would say it's already here and it's advancing. It's digital, smart, automated, and highly responsive to a customer that really wants goods and services now and that's used to having information at their fingertips, whether it's to look up and track their order or share or, or write a review. Yeah, and the only thing I would add to that is uh, agility and adaptability. So as much as we're, we're building the supply chains in recognition of what's happened over the last two years, 
you have to build it for the unknown to some degree. I know it sounds a little weird, but but being doing good assessments and doing predictive analysis, you can you can start to to understand that you need to have an agile supply chain that can adapt to some of these on the fly and. That's the key right now. It's you want to build it to last, and that's that's what uh, we're seeing a lot of organizations doing now. It's not just dealing with the needs of today, but how do you build a supply chain that can predict and that can help you know augment the the implications of of another type of disaster yet to be seen, and those are under work right now. Well, thank you to both Mimi and to Vincent for your participation today. Thank you for those who have listened to us. Stay tuned for the next podcast in our manufacturing podcast series, and we'll talk soon. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Don. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Don.